Welcome to the history of networking, where we drag all the skeletons out of the wiring closet and ponder the ghosts of protocols past. Today, we are talking to JJ Garcia about the history of the diffusing update algorithm. So grab a pile of cookies, settle in, and listen as we meld with the finest minds in networking. Well, hello, Donald. See How's you it going? At, fine. I see you're at home. I am. It's a habit with you now. I don't know what's up with that. And uh, welcoming JJ Garcia to the history of networking, who is quite famous in my circles. Um, not, maybe not a lot of listeners know what who JJ Garcia is, but he's quite famous in my circles um, because he was related to somehow. We'll get into this. The invention of EHRP. So, so, J- yeah, so JJ, so tell us a little bit about yourself, I guess, or how are you doing this afternoon? I guess you're in Santa Cruz or something like that. Well, at the moment, I am in San Mateo. So, okay. Uh, good afternoon to all. And um, uh, waiting for PGE not to cut my power. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, should I tell you more uh, a bit about myself? Yes. Sure, go right so ahead, start there, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, currently, I'm a distinguished professor of computer science and engineering at UC Santa Cruz, which means I'm old enough <laughs> to become distinguished. <laughs> and um, um, prior to that, uh, I, I was at SRI International, uh, uh, which I joined even before graduating from the University of Hawaii. And uh, at SRIs, where I um, became interested in routing. So, so tell us a little bit about SRI, because a lot of people listening to this probably don't even know who SRI, SRI is, and I don't think okay. we've talked about it. Yeah, so SRI International used to be Stanford Research Institute, and um, the, the reason I went to SRI is, well, the... the the reason I had to go to SRI is because Frank Kuo, my thesis advisor, uh, was leaving the University of Hawaii to join SRI, and I hadn't finished my thesis, and so I had to, to follow him. Uh, but SRI is a research, uh, a contract research organization, not for profit. Um, other places, uh, um, there are a few other places like SRI nowadays, but at the time SRI was uh, um, one of the few places where networking research was very, very strong. Other places were uh, Xerox Park, uh, BBN, both Brian and Newman, uh, Yorkton Heights, IBM, and places like that. So I was fortunate enough that Frank uh, went to SRI and then it opened opportunities for me. So it's, it's still going strong, and nowadays SRI is still doing contract research, mainly focusing uh, in uh, areas that have little to do with networking, but very, very strong. Well, in those days, I mean, we're talking what year? What, what uh, like? 80, uh, early 80s. Yeah, early, early 80s. 80s. Yeah. yeah. So early 80s, network engineering was still, I mean, even routing protocols were still a very hot topic of research. Yeah. And many of the problems were not considered solved. In fact, they're still not considered solved today. But Correct. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, uh, at SRI, um, there, were, there were this program, some packet radio, 
which is packet switching on, on uh, wireless networks, the equivalent of uh, uh, the wireless IoT today or mesh networks. And um, that's the one reason I, I became interested in routing because of those projects. So just by, by background, uh, Frank Kuo and Norm Abramson were the directors of the Aloha Systems project and the Aloha System project. And um, because of that, I, is that I, I had the excuse to go to the University of Hawaii in Manoa. And um, uh, I, I thought I was going to do uh, some Aloha work, but it turns out that the Aloha project had ended by the time I joined UH. But still, I, I, got, uh, I still had the, the interest in uh, packet radio. So uh, SRI was wonderful in, in that regard. And uh, um, yeah, so it, it was, it, I started to do some work in, in routing because of the packet radio related projects at SRI. Interesting. So what is Aloha? Aloha at the time oh, Aloha. Wireless, was a uh, so, wireless pipeline, right? Great. For the, thanks for the, for the question. Uh, the Aloha system uh, uh, project was the first project to show packet switching on wireless channels. And um, it, it was, uh, it's about, uh, and in fact, we are celebrating the 50 years of Aloha uh, uh, next year on January 24th. And uh, we're celebrating the uh, Norm Abramson's and Frank Poole's accomplishment. And um, the Aloha system project was just to show, to demonstrate that packet switching works on wireless links. Nowadays with Wi-Fi and uh, WiMAX and cellular phones is kind of a given that networking should work on wireless. But uh, at the time, uh, there was no real approach to packet switching. Um, unless you, you, uh, you had a, a wired network like the, uh, the emerging ARPANET. So, so what kind of wireless networks were they working with? Was this um, SATCOM or was this just like microwave links? So it, they started with an emulation of uh, satellite networks and uh, they worked their way into um, deploying the Aloha channel, that's the way Norm calls it uh, in, in, a in a real satellite network. But it started with a terrestrial network uh, with an uplink to a central node, the Menehune they called it, and a downlink uh, to, the, to the stations. So this is uh, in the 60s, um, uh, six, late 60s, early 70s. So you can imagine that there were huge things for very little functionality. Right. But uh, uh, the, the beauty of, of the Aloha system was that uh, everybody was thinking ARPANET, right? And then they proposed to do this packet switching on a wireless link. And the question is, well, uh, if when you transmit on a, on, on a radio link, everybody hears. So it's not like you have a point-to-point a, 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 a -point link. Uh, this was before Ethernet. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, Ethernet, Ethernet and, and this concept of having a single sender with multiple receivers. Yeah. Concepts of addressing. Uh, you weren't talking about addressing, you were talking about circuits, right? And things like yeah. that to start yeah. with. Yeah. So, in fact, uh, this, this happened, uh, the Aloha System project started before Bob Metcalf and uh, uh, Box invented Ethernet. 
and uh, the uh, even Bob would would uh, say that uh, he got inspired by the law system to to work on on Ethernet at Xerox Park, and um, so it was it was a huge uh, eye opener for me when I I took a cl- uh, a course in uh, Mexico City, and the, the course was on computer networks, one of the first courses perhaps. And, uh, because, uh, and Abraham had this book on networking, this uh, computer communication network. So this was my excuse to go to the University of Hawaii. I told my dad, dad, I have to go to Hawaii to, to do to study. <laughs> Not a bad idea, door. actually. Yeah. <laughs> he, he probably thought it was something other than the, the university. And, and my dad said, yeah, sure. <laughs> But uh, so, uh, so the Aloha system is described on chapter 14 uh, by Norm Abel. So that, it was just like a explosion yeah. brain moments for me. <laughs> and, uh, so the, what, what uh, was uh, uh, fantastic was that they, sh- they, they talked to Bob Cam and uh, Larry Roberts at, at uh, ARPA at the time. And then they, they got the funding going for, for the system, for the system and demonstration and what they showed was so they they, they had the idea they had the, the aloha channel they had the, the first analytical model for multiple access channels and um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to send you the link to the to the web page for the celebration of the aloha system okay good yeah i'll put that in the show notes actually yeah and uh so even today uh, in in some way as i say in in the web page whenever we turn on our, our cell phones and we send the first packet that goes on an aloha channel in 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 the sense that there has to be multiple access uh, without coordination to begin with that kind of uh, st- uh, stuck with me for all these years, even uh, and so when I, I went to SRI, I was still I was in love with uh, packet radio. And at the time, SRI and BBN were the places for packet radio projects. BBN actually still is. Uh, okay. yeah, they're still working on still working yeah. on satellite projects and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and the tactical networks. Uh, there is right. always a military or other excuse for right. uh, ad hoc networks. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've actually worked with them. I worked on mobile ad hoc networking for a while and some SATCOM stuff, and they were involved in uh-huh. the projects that, uh, yeah, yeah, in that area. So it's kind of cool. So then bringing that closer to network, to routing, then uh, um, in a packet radio network, uh, it's kind of peer-to-peer. There is no uh, uh, central Control, station that controls right. everything. Yeah. Right. And uh, the... Um, uh, there is this um, need for uh, to send information, uh, f- not just uh, when the, the not network the nodes are uh, able to hear one another all the time, but even when there are hidden terminals or the, we are a few hops away from each other, so a few relays away from each other. So routing was really important uh, in the packet radio projects. And um, yeah, go ahead. That's fine. So, so that's how you got involved in, in routing because you needed it yeah. for, right. And so interestingly enough, you know, it, it's important when you think about these original routing systems, these original ideas around how to do routing, how important bandwidth utilization was and how important the, uh, not, just not using bandwidth, just sipping the bandwidth, you make using as little on the link as you can 
was. Now today we, you know, we send out BGP updates that are huge, you know, and we don't even think about it. But in those days, this was a huge deal, figuring these problems out. Right. And, uh, you know, even today, there is no way BGP would work at all if if, uh, all the internet nodes were mobile and we had the same dynamics we have in a tactical environment. Because the, the, there will be not enough bandwidth or time for the BGP updates to be sent and for the algorithm to converge, just because it's just so 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 badly. Um, so that, that was the the problem we we were facing. Uh, uh, now we're talking about the eighties, and. Uh, so the way the routing used to work in the packet radio network was the distributed Bellman Ford routing algorithm. And basically, one hears the the distance to to a destination, the distance to a given destination from neighbors, and then based on on those updates about I am five hops away or two hops away or whatever, then the each router makes uh, a decision based on the shortest distance and advertises that, which works fine, except that uh, when nodes fail or links fail, uh, what is called looping happens, because um, I think uh, I I heard from Don, for example, that he's uh, three hops away from a destination when in fact the nodes have moved around and that path is no longer valid, so that distance information is invalid. And because of that, we have all these uh, performance problems. So, so we should give a name to that, that what we're talking about with Bellman Ford is what we consider today to be RIP, right? Routing Information Protocol, which well, it was not just used for RIP at that time, right? It yeah. was used for other things. Correct. Well, I mean, the RIP was a latecomer, so to speak. To my knowledge, the first, one of the, the first, if not one of the first approaches to routing based on this distributed thinking was Paul Barron at the Rand Corporation in the 60s. It was kind of primordial distance vector in some sense. It was not exactly the way uh, uh, people listening would would view uh, a, a routing protocol, but it was very much the the, the same thinking. And uh, he started the uh, well, uh, as uh, some may know, he he started the idea of uh, packet switching to begin with, and then he gave this architecture as to how do we accomplish packet switching. Uh, in a dynamic network, and his hot potato um, discipline was very much like a distance vector approach. And he he had the same notion of uh, destination-based uh, routing tables. And the the, 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 the the intent of the approach was to pick the best uh, approach, the, the best path to go to a destination just using local information in a distributed manner. But still, the, the problem is uh, how do we avoid these uh, nasty pro- performance problems? And uh, along the same line of thought, uh, uh, McQuillan, uh, BBN McQuillan 
uh, John McQuillan and others at BBN were experiencing these same questions as to how do we avoid these nasty routing problems in the ARPANET. And uh, because of that, then uh, McQuillan thought of this centralized approach. So with the uh, with the distance information, everybody just communicates uh, uh, on a peer-to-peer -peer basis distances, and I hear what I hear from my neighbors, and I pick the best, and hopefully it works. We uh, with us uh, a link state approach, then the nodes uh, basically rather than communicating just distance information on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, they just say, okay, these are the links I have that connect me to my immediate neighbors and everybody shares that information. Right, right. right. And which, then, yeah, which yeah. originally Dijkstra didn't really invent link state to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, just a trivial six-bit problem. I would, he was just out to prove that a particular computer would work solving this. this it was a six-bit computer and he's like, I'm just going to go prove it works. So he wrote this algorithm. It was like, Oh. Yeah, so uh, the, the thing with, uh, well, you know, just, just uh, uh, it would be, it's important to realize that Dijkstra's algorithm is um, uh, an algorithm that solves a shortest path problem in a, in a graph. So when we have all the information about the graph. And, but we can apply other uh, such algorithms like uh, the Bellman algorithm or the Ford algorithm and there are other algorithms. But it happens that uh, um, uh, Dijkstra's has very good average performance and hence uh, why not use it. But, so, but in addition to, to the uh, Dijkstra's algorithm that we, we can use to solve uh, shortest path Problem, a shortest path problem in, in a graph, we need the graph. Right. So uh, then there is this, uh, uh, some people call it intelligent floating approach to uh, disseminate the link state information throughout the network. And uh, so the, the, those were the two approaches. Um, then uh, at the time, the the question was, uh, well, you know, we have, we can, uh, we know we have all these problems with uh, uh, distance-based information exchange on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, and we know we have a lot of information to exchange. If we do, uh, we can, if we want to share a topology map to be able to run the extra shortest path for us locally. So that that was the motivation for the work on on uh, how can can we do better than than that. Uh, um, well, and again, we have to remember that in those days, we did bandwidth was at a premium. So this concept of sending the entire database uh, yeah. was, uh, you know, yeah, you could do it, but who has the bandwidth, right? That was not like something you just assumed. Right. But it's also, you know, from an engineering and scientific standpoint, uh, uh, why try to do brute force when if you can show that you can do better than than that and you can use the bandwidth for other purposes right uh, and maybe you know like in nowadays you, 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 we were talking about a massive deployment of an IOT then uh, although we have more bandwidth we won't have all the time and chances are we want to use the bandwidth for something more useful than than topology maps so even today, there, there, there is uh, 
this need for better than brute force. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, so how did you get started on Duel itself? I mean, how did, that, how did that come about, that work come about? So you're working on this problem in particular, but what, uh, what led you down this particular path? Uh, so the, uh, there was a, um, um, is, uh, we, we called it the Star Wars uh, initiative. Uh, uh, at the time, there, there was this interest, military interest in protecting uh, the homeland against... Ah, uh, uh, yes, right, correct. Uh, and so if you think about uh, a bunch of flying nodes trying to protect you, then uh, bandwidth is at a premium, time is at a premium, and, and can we come up with something for a, or an airborne packet radio network that converges very quickly in terms of the routing? So that was the, the original motivation. We had a project with the, uh, Rome Labs to explore those, those issues as well as um, other funding. But uh, so at the side, we, we, we had all these um, DOD, uh, Department of Defense projects to, to support our research. So it was packet radio in a very, very dynamic setting. That was the motivation for Dual. Oh, interesting. So I didn't realize that background at all, that, that that's where this came from. Um, yeah. When you were working on this, I mean, what, what took you down the path of using something like this relaxed concept of using, uh, you know, yeah. where, where did you come up with that? Well, so it's, it's uh, um, uh, uh, some, uh, some uh, realize after doing a lot of work on different things, there are many things that Dijkstra did. There are many things that uh, Kleinrock did. There are many things that Lamp Leslie Lamport did in the past in terms of algorithms and methods. So it turns out that uh, Dijkstra uh, had done some work on what he called the diffusing computation. Because uh, what my thinking was, well, we have all this dynamic network and the, uh, the routing problem is a computation problem. I want to compute the best distances uh, eventually to to destinations, or at least distances that are are not negating the distances that my neighbors are exchanging. So it's a, a distributed computation. Because originally Dijkstra was not a distributed algorithm. Neither really was Bowman Ford, right? They were really designed as as more centralized. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, the the Dijkstra's shortest path first algorithm is is uh, it's an algorithm that works uh, assuming that we have a complete, uh, uh, we have the graph at, at our disposal. Uh, uh, Bellman's algorithm and Ford's algorithm, the same thing. Um, let's see, I have, a, I have another book to show you. Since we have the video. <laughs> there is this book uh, by Ford and Fulkerson. It's, it's, it's kind of a really... It's one of those old books. Uh, so this is a uh, close in networks book by Ford and Fulkerson. Uh, okay. It's like the old books used to be just like that. Yeah, yeah, didn't have any color. So, but uh, that was when I, I read about all these um, shortest path routing problems because I, uh, the, we, we, we were <clears throat> trying to get our heads around these uh, nasty problems in packet radio, especially for the project that uh, originated Dual. 
So the, the algorithms, we can make a, uh, an algorithm that uh, works on a, grad, uh, a distributed algorithm, provided that we translate the operation of the, we can call it a centralized algorithm, into a distributed setting. And there are different ways to do it. Uh, uh, one way is timestamps or uh, sequence numbering. So the, the, the idea is to, we have an algorithm and to make it a distributed algorithm, uh, we, we are going to trust on locally only the most recent information. And sequence numbers or timestamps is the way to usually to do that. And that's, that's what is used with uh, um, topology based algorithms like link state. Right. And, uh, uh, Another approach uh, is uh, to have uh, uh, establish some sort of a ring. Uh, then you do token passing. Uh, the problem with that is that you, you have to establish the ring, and that takes a lot of effort. Uh, and uh, uh, then uh, th those were the only two quasi-known ways at the time. And then I, I uh, read this paper by uh, Dijkstra, and uh, he and Scholten wrote this uh, termination detection uh, uh, using diffusing computations. And uh, it, it, they, they talk about a, a static, uh, how to do it over a tree. It's a static tree, one computation, there is uh, the origin of the computation in the tree. The, it is like uh, the signal goes out uh, on the tree and then comes back and when it comes back the computation is done and uh, so it's a static graph but then I realized well it, it, a routing table gives us these um, uh, snapshots of what should be if everything goes fine it should be a tree because the, it's a directed tree directed uh, from the node to the next hop to the next hop uh, eventually ending at the destination so if I can, if I can make Dijkstra and Schulten's algorithm operate in a dynamic network, then that's, that's a solution. Maybe not the best solution, but a very good solution. So th then uh, um, that's why the, um, the, the motivation happened for, for what became dual. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's actually very so. So you started out with this paper by Dijkstra and this concept of a of a distributed or a diffusing algorithm and the idea of the tree spreading and coming back, and you came up with dual and you wrote that paper. Right, there was a paper. I don't remember which year it was. Now I have it here someplace. Uh, eighty. Well, so the the more. The more popular paper is the SICOM, ACM's uh, SICOM 89. Right, 89, correct. Yeah. And is there an earlier one than that, actually? Uh, yeah, there, are, there, there was an Infocom version that is not as pretty. Uh, the thing with the 89 paper is that um, although uh, dual is, is thought as, okay, this is an algorithm for distance vector routing, the original intent of dual was to show diffusing computations is a solution that can be applied to distance vectors or link state routing. So it, uh, it never kind of took off, but uh, uh, dual could be applied to uh, link state routing protocols. Right, and that's something people don't realize is that we, when we think of link state, we think of 
the algorithm, Dijkstra's algorithm going with it, but that's really not true. All link state really right. means is, is you're advertising, everybody advertises the state of their links, literally. That's what it means. And yeah. distance vector just means everybody advertises a distance and a vector to all of their neighbors. And that, so that's really what it comes down to, is that differential. Right. Yeah, so if, if, if uh, then uh, today's link state routing is uh, using a, a local routing algorithm, short span routing algorithm, Dijkstra or uh, Ford or Bellman or all right, 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 some, some sort of, yes. Okay. And then we disseminate information and the way the, that algorithm, the, the topology dissemination algorithm or link state dissemination algorithm works is by using sequence numbers. So I only chose the most recent sequence number, and then I eliminate the old one. Uh, issue with that is that uh, it requires pretty much the nodes to send periodic updates because um, I need to keep refreshing the the links, uh, the link states that I disseminate throughout the network. So uh, that's important uh, for strange performance situations like. Uh, links and partition. Right. Um, then, uh, but so it, uh, I, I say that because we could apply dual to uh, or division computations to uh, link state routing by rather than using sequence numbers to, to verify the link state information, we could use diffusion computations to disseminate link state information. But uh, that's more complicated than, than not. Yes, right, right. So, but, but that it's diffused just means basically that it is being calculated across multiple nodes. So in, in Dijkstra's shortest path first, everybody calculates the table locally, which is why you get microloops because everybody calculates it at a different time. Whereas in a diffusing algorithm of the type you've, the, the dual is, it's actually diffused or distributed. The processing is distributed, which... Yeah. So t tell us a little bit about why, why that's important or like what, what, what oh. does that get us? Right, so if we just talk about the diffusion or distributed uh, computation, then the, the one type of computation is all of us will first share all the, all the data we need to do the computation and we carry out the computation locally. And then because we share the same information, the same data, we should ca obtain the same result, uh, which means a, a shortest path uh, list for all the destinations, and we do that independently once we have uh, shared the topology. And potentially not, and potentially not at the same time. That, right. That's a, right. Yes, yes, and that's why temporary loops happen. Right. Uh, with the uh, diffused approach, then my computation depends on the computations of what would become my next hop. So uh, the, the, uh, my, my computation depends on the, comp the uh, originates with the computation at one node. So it can be the destination. The destination says my dis the distance to myself is zero, and that propagates. Uh, so that's kind of a, 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 an easy way to just uh, disseminate the data. But there are nasty situations in which I have an X-hop, 
I have only one link, uh, for example, that uh, gets me to the area where the destination is, and that link fails. And uh, then I, I need to select another next hop. So then I have to do a computation, and the, the, uh, the, the need to coordinate all these computations is that if I want to change my next hop, uh, I should do that without, or while, while making sure that when my neighbors try to do the same, we don't get into, into going around a two or more hop looping path. Uh, so it's a matter of, uh, it, it, uh, another way to think about routing is, is to think uh, of that as a, an ordering problem. Because ultimately, uh, uh, I am choosing a, a neighbor node because it's closer to the destination than I am. So there is this rela uh, uh, um, relation that I'll, 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 I'll select a node that is closer to the destination and my neighbor will do the same and the same and the same. So this is an asymmetric relation, ultimately, that, that uh, enables routing to be loop-free. The way then I thought about uh, dual was, okay, if I can establish in a distributed manner this asymmetric relation, just using distances, then I will attain loop-free routing. And uh, it happened that uh, the, uh, concurrently Jeff Jaffe at uh, uh, IBM had published uh, a paper very similar uh, on, on regarding the routing in, in, in networks. And so that was kind of corroboration for the, for the approach. From there, how did this end up commercialized? I guess that's, you know, that's always an interesting question. Uh, how, you know, so, so we have, you know, Dino Farinici and these guys writing EIGRP. Well, why? I mean, how did, did they just see the paper and... Yeah, so the, uh, in my perspective, it got commercialized the wrong way because I still have to work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Um, it was uh, Bob Albrightson and uh, uh, other, another Cisco uh, person name. Anyway, so I, I, I worked primarily with uh, uh, Bob Albrightson. Uh, they had this uh, IGRP problem that it, it, uh, IGRP was doing all these hold downs and all these techniques that uh, they kind of uh, solve some problems, but they slow down the convergence of the routing process a lot. So right. they were in need for some solution that was better than that. And uh, I don't know how, to be honest, I don't recall how they heard about, about this. Maybe there was at a meeting, uh, one of those uh, project meetings we had, there was some person that heard about the approach we were taking and then they they informed the right people, and that's how they, uh, Cisco contacted SRI. So to make a long story short, then uh, there was a uh, uh, Cisco, I won't uh, mention names <laughs> to protect <laughs> the, the non-innocent. Uh, uh, so uh, Cisco uh, acquired the, the, the algorithm from SRI, and then uh, as part of that, I got to tell Cisco how how this 
uh, algorithm work and could be implemented. And then they just took the algorithm and ran with it to implement EIGRP. I, I think uh, if people really knew uh, how quickly it, perf it performs, uh, people would take a, a second look and try to implement it. Yeah, actually, uh, there is an open source implementation. I don't know There's how two open source implementations. Oh, I didn't realize there are two. Oh, yeah. There's one in FR Routin, and there's also one for, um, I'm, I may get this wrong, there's one for OpenBSD as well. So, uh, uh, having said that, uh, this is, uh, uh, I, I view this as old technology already. I'm not old, I'm just classic now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I've been, uh, uh, so there is, I, I was trying to solve the content infinity problem in, uh, um, uh, in RIP, uh, which what is the same problem that we had in the packet radio network, uh, because it's basically the, it's, you can think of the routing we were doing in the packet radio network as uh, RIP-like. It was a RIP, uh, a fancy RIP, pretty much. And uh, all the known problems with RIP uh, were showing up, and that's why we, we were working on this uh, dual thing. Um, so the... the uh, uh, I'll mention the following because for, for a good reason. The, the way Dual tries to establish this order, distributed ordering is by having the nodes uh, remember something about uh, how, how far they were to the destination relative to their neighbors. So, uh, for example, uh, I am now uh, 10 hops from the destination, and I remember that I was uh, at so many hubs uh, when I asked my neighbors, uh, can you help me out? And, um, and then what, what I, uh, I do is I, I remember that distance I have, I call it the feasible distance. And the algorithm has these uh, steps that ensure that when I change my, my next hub, it's always the case that the distance that is uh, reported by, by my neighbor is uh, 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 shorter than my feasible distance, my kind of uh, anchor distance, so to speak. So, but it is, so Dual is trying to establish this um, ordering by means of these feasible distances. Caveat with that is there is this uh, coordination, there is this query response mechanism that is basically the result of using Dijkstra and Schulten's diffusion computation approach. And the reason I say that is because, okay, we have that approach, and then if we look at uh, protocols like AODV and DSDV, which are for um, uh, uh, ad hoc networks or the IoT, right, right. they try to um, uh, avoid looping by sequence numbers. So, uh, dual uh, uh, avoids looping using feasible distances. So, I remember how far I was to the destination when I choose uh, a, a, new, a new next hop. Uh, so, I'm, I'm sim oversimplifying, but uh, then uh, with AODV and DSDV, then I only trust the, the most recent distance. Uh, 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 that I identify with a sequence number or uh, I, I believe the shorter distance. So, uh, because it's uh, either the, 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 the freshest distance or the closest distance, there is this hope to also establish this ordering. Uh, 
Um, problem is uh, with the latter, uh, what happens when a node fails and forgets what was going on? So I then, I, I uh, suppose I had a, in LDB and DSDB, I had a sequence number of uh, uh, 20. And then I go to sleep or I, I, I reboot, and then I come back up and I, I don't remember anything. So, which may happen in an IoT device, for example. So right. uh, the reason I mentioned that is because uh, the, uh, uh, that, uh, the, the sequence numbering approach to avoid counting to infinity doesn't work when the nodes uh, lose their minds, so they just have to reset. And the uh, uh, approach that I introduced with dual doesn't work if the coordination among uh, nodes uh, is too becomes too expensive. Uh, coordination among nodes means the following. If I'm a node that, I need, that needs a new hub and sends a, 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 a query, help me out, I need a new distance, and then, <clears throat> then the, the query goes out and then the, uh, all the nodes that are impacted by the, by the query uh, have to propagate the query. Those nodes that don't care and have a, a viable path respond to the query. So it's kind of uh, the query starts at some node, goes out uh, over a tree. Uh, the tree is given by the routing tables themselves and then goes back. So that coordination of going from the node that initiated the computation out and back, that may be too much signaling for some right. deployments. Right. Um, yeah. So th those are two trade-offs. And the, uh, the reason I mentioned that is because this quest for counting, uh, eliminating count infinity has kept me rattling to infinity, so to speak, all these years. <laughs> so I, I am working on, on a different approach to, um, to establish this order. Ah, for IoT? Yeah. Okay. So uh, my, my new quest is to come up with a RIP version, I guess version two, version three, or Santa Cruz RIP that I can show. Six, no, six. Uh, version six? Yes, well, because six is the, is the core. Oh, I think it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, six plus. <laughs> yeah, six plus. <laughs> so I'm, um, I'm working with my students to, to show that we can reuse RIP and it's not going to loop and it's going to be faster even than dual. So oh. that's the Wow, very interesting. So, so when you get ready to implement that, we know of a good routing suite that's always welcoming new routing protocols. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> so, great. So I think we'll end there. Okay. Um, I think that was an awesome history of dual and everything, um, but I'm going to stop the recording. Well, let me, let me do something else real fast. Um, so I'll wrap up and then we'll come back after I stop recording and we'll talk for a second. So, um, so JJ, is there any, do you have like a research webpage or something people can get to, to look at this new work you're working on? 
yeah, I'm gonna send you the link. Yep, send me the link. Uh, yeah, so I'm making notes. I'll send you the link to Aloha and the link to the research. Okay, excellent. I'll put those in the show notes. And you don't have a blog or anything, right? Just the research no. work that you do. Okay, all right. And Donald, people can get you at Mina U Sharp on Twitter. I, I like to say it. Or LinkedIn, that's what I say. I let you say it this time. And I, you can always find me at rule11.tech or here at the History of Networking. Um, and thanks for joining us for this episode.